How are you doing? How are you doing? So it's around, I think it's about two o'clock. Yeah, just about two o'clock. So the sun's nice and high, it's nice and warm. Clear sky again. As I was walking, I was just, uh, I mean, aside from the trees, there's loads of cars around. Cars, trucks, vans, all sorts. It's like a, it's a busy road that connects uh, connects the town I live in with like London, Seven Oaks, like major towns and cities nearby. So it can be very busy. But there's a couple of car dealerships around that I walk past. First one is Mercedes. Second one is Porsche. And then the third one is Jaguar Land Rover. And each of those car brands have got a certain stigma attached to them, a certain uh, status. But it's not, it's not like, it's not like you buy a car, you buy a certain car and then you become a knight. <laughs> you become a sir, it's not like that. It's like a social construct. If you have a particular car or car brand or, something people have a perception of how you are about your other attributes so like oh you must be you must be wealthy if you own a particular type of car particular color of car particular make particular type if it's a saloon a coupe convertible an SUV there's different different elements in the societal alchemist pot that kind of define who or what you are so if you've got an SUV people might assume you've got kids because why would a single person need such a big car or why would why would a couple need such a big car? Two of my, my neighbours next door, they uh, they have no kids, but they're married. For about for the last four years, he's had the smallest car ever, uh, convertible. But he realised, oh, his wife realised how impractical it is because there's no boot space. 
So I'm assuming they're planning on having kids or trying for kids, trying to make kids. Because now they've bought, they've gone from the smallest convertible to the biggest SUV. And they've gone to one of the brands I just mentioned, Land Rover. They went from a small Mercedes convertible to a large Land Rover SUV. So I mean, even even me, I can determine. I can determine something from that. But that's because that's because I've got a little bit of. I've got a little bit more information which kind of biases my opinion. So it's like, I can say because they bought that SUV that they must be doing quite well in terms of material gain. Because it was a brand new SUV. Not a second hand. But it's not electric, which is uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a bit. I don't know if uh, I don't know if many electric SUVs exist at the minute. These SUVs are already quite heavy. Can't imagine sticking. What is it like half a ton of batteries? So anyway, so you can determine like someone's material status based on societal constructs, which are all thrown into a pot, and everyone. everyone just abides by because that's just like what is accepted that's just the way things are right particular car brand particular status now I know I know that is I know that is accurate because about four years ago I bought a a Porsche convertible but it was second hand and it needed it needed work doing to it now regardless of the price that it was second hand or that work needed to be done the stigma attached to the brand itself people were like oh you've got Porsche wow it was almost as like how could you afford that as if because that whatever the stigma attached to that particular brand is people assume it is 
a high value, high value brand, high value car. But it wasn't. I think it was the second cheapest car I've ever bought. And the first cheapest car I bought was like a really high mileage Honda. But this was, this was relatively cheap because work needed to be done, but it's not high mileage for the age. It's uh, 22 years old, so it's a 2000 Reg. And it's got 69,000 miles on it. So I think I might have only done In the region of like a thousand, thousand five hundred miles. And I only know that because I drove it about 600 miles to get a particular part of the engine serviced. So another round trip on that was about 600 miles. Um, but the amount of money I spent on it it's still relatively cheap. Less than... I think it's about £8,000. So, I mean... You can't buy a car like that now for that price just because the the way that things have gone with uh, electric cars how they're all talking about every uh, service corporation every government which is just a service corporation they provide services but they convince you that they're uh, that you have to listen to them Anyway, they, um, they're now telling, or rather the automobile manufacturers said, hey, we need to start producing electric cars. Don't know why, something to do with, or maybe they wanted to increase the revenue streams. So they're like, hey, we're going to be launching electric cars again. Because they already existed over 100 years ago, but we're going to do it again. But this time we want to incre really increase our sales. So we need you to put in, or rather we need you to tell people that automobile manufacturers can't produce petrol or diesel combustion engines after 2025, or after a, some, some pick it out of the uh, kind of year whatever next month two months ago three months whatever just tell people and then that that creates the demand for the new for the new product right if everyone's got that in the back of the mind hey i'm not going to be able to buy a petrol car in 2025 if i buy one now what's the value going to be like no one's going to want to buy it so I better get an electric car. But I think, I've spoken about this before, I might be 
I might be rambling or going off on a tangent but let me persevere anyway so I think they kind of realised nobody can really afford an electric car not everyone is going to be able to afford them because you're talking about buying a brand new car with new technology everything is electronic that costs more money so not everyone can afford them and the way that people drive their cars is different so does it make sense to park up a £40,000 electric car on your, on your driveway when you only drive once a week or are you better off keeping your £2,000 used car that you've had for 15 years that you've kept serviced you've kept running it seems more economical and environmentally friendly to keep the old car running if you're only running it once a week you've kept it in good condition the amount of resources it needs to keep it maintained is very little compared to building a new car so so yeah it just seems like it's a big sales pitch and what's going to happen is eventually they'll stop producing so many electric cars because I bet they've got quite a lot sitting around doing nothing and those battery packs have an expiration date as soon as they're manufactured as soon as they're manufactured and connected up the clock is ticking at least for the combustion engine if it's not used the only thing that's going to go bad is the seals and seals can be replaced with just little bits of rubber or little bits of uh, thin metal to contain gases and oil but I mean you'd have to be storing them in some extreme conditions for the seals to deteriorate that quickly so let's say it's more economical to store petrol and diesel cars than it is to store unsold electric cars So, status. Why is someone going to buy an electric car? Because of status. Because they've been told, hey, if you buy an electric car, you're going to be doing good for the planet. We're going to go and we're going to, we the automobile manufacturer, we're going to go into the deepest mines in South America and we're going to pull out all the lithium gonna pull out tons of it we're gonna collapse the earth to get this lithium and then we're gonna make the battery packs or rather we're gonna get a shell company to buy the lithium to sell it to battery cell manufacturers and they're gonna be mass-producing battery packs but you're saving the planet because there's nothing there's no tailpipes there's nothing coming out of the car 
there's no there's no gases the only gas is the gas that you excrete in the car when you're exhaling when you're breathing but the feel good factor is that you're doing your bit that you're doing your bit by going out and buying a 180,000 pound electric vehicle with a 200 mile range or maybe it's 250 mile an hour but it's still 180,000 pounds for a status symbol that you're probably going to sell after a year or two because you're going to get worried about depreciation and maybe you're going to get worried about keeping the battery keeping an old battery pack for too long because the cost of replacing it might be a percentage of that 180,000 and then once you've sold it then you go out and buy another brand new electric car because you've got to keep up the status of being a good a good citizen because you're doing good for humanity because humanity pertains to citizens and citizenship and being civilised maybe I'm being a little bit <laughs> a little bit facetious I think I've got my views on that topic but I think it's just a bit ridiculous the uh, brands like Mercedes Land Rover Jaguar and Porsche are producing electric cars that cost over £100,000 and people are buying them and the people that buy those kinds of brands those cars they swap out the car every year or two so even, even though they're changing to even though they're using a car that produces no emissions the very fact that they buy a new car every year or every two years is probably more of a problem and if you really wanted to improve things you'd probably try and change the behaviour of those people or maybe you wouldn't because that's not the intention is it the intention is just to sell a new product but for those people that are going out buying new cars every year They are enabling <laughs> all of these tricksters because they are the targets of the tricksters. Because I've only ever bought one new car. That was in 2014. And I kept that until 2016 because it was impractical because 
I had a daughter in 2015 so it wasn't practical the car was sitting there it was a waste and then I bought a used car that had been sat in the forecourt for about a year and then I bought another used car that was I think it was about four years old at the time now I've still got it it's about ten years old now so I've kept that car running it would be considered a high emissions vehicle but considering I drive it probably less than a thousand miles a year Uh, I think it's pretty I think it's okay but I see I see people in the you see people in your street maybe I do and they have a new car every year just because the status of having a new license plate on a car is something it is a status in itself it's to say like hey everyone look I've got another new car but they're the people that are going to be targeted by the car manufacturers because they're chasing the status and if you can make your product a status symbol well, like material wealth awaits you, right? Because the people that you're targeting don't really have any morals. All they see is, oh yeah, gonna get another car. It's everyone in the street and everyone at work's gonna see, got a brand new car. And then, and then they get bored of that. They get bored of that after a year and then it's on to another one. Wow. I've actually uh, walked a bit further again. It is like being in, it's like I'm in a different country. It's like, uh, it's probably like Cyprus in the springtime. It's not quite, it's not quite dry enough for it to be summertime. So many green leaves and berries around. But it's, uh, yeah, maybe it's a bit like Spain actually. Yeah, very nice. Anyway, so status symbols. That's what it's all about. The people that will go for a status symbol are people that have no... They derive their moral duties and obligations from someone else. From the status. So how people view them in society. So it's not even how they view themselves. It's how they 
want other people to view them. Hey, that guy's got another car, another brand new car. He must be doing well for himself. That's the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing you need to persist, right? Because as soon as that stops, maybe you're like, oh, I can't really afford to buy a new car this year. But then it's like, oh, well, what are people going to think? Because as soon as people see that, see that car from last year, that old car, that car that's now old, as soon as they still see that on your driveway, they're like, whoa, what's happened to Barry? He's not got a new car. Oh, he mustn't be doing so good this year. He mustn't have been... He mustn't have been working as hard as he uh, should have been. You know what I mean? And then... It's almost like... Uh, it's almost like... Uh, It's almost like a psychological state that like talking about the the nesting dolls and the eggshells that they need to that they need to maintain that they need to maintain that state in order to keep the um, in order to remain in that state, in order to remain like, yeah, I'm all right, I'm good. Gone new car this year, I'm good. People are still gonna think, yeah, he's done well for himself. And as long as I can still get that new car every year, that for me is telling me I'm doing good for myself. But that's, that's material wealth, isn't it? It's not, it's not material, it's not even material wholeness, it's just the fact of having a car is, is the object. There's nothing, the car could sit on your driveway, it's just like a trophy. It's not, it's not giving you anything else, it's not not helping you it's just enabling you to persist a state of I'm doing I'm doing all right and for everyone else to see I'm doing all right but when they can't afford that new car that's when it all goes to shit because they can't maintain that state because people will be like oh people will be acting differently around them oh you're right do you need any help or they might just, maybe they just want to talk to them. But. Yeah, I just had to stop and take some pictures. Um, yeah, so, so that status, someone maintaining that, it's like, uh, I see it as fake. It's 
one it's it's not seeking any wholeness it's not seeking any like spiritual it's not seeking the whole it's not seeking being a complete person being content you can have material you can have material goods but you also need the spiritual fulfillment as well in order to be whole otherwise you can have everything you can have all the money you can have all the material goods and still be unhappy because there's still something lacking and because you've got all these material goods and all this material wealth you're like how could I possibly be lacking anything it's because uh, perspective is not perspective is like focused so much on the on the material side it's unbalanced it's an unbalanced perspective whereas you need to broaden your scope maybe before going or continuing to chase the material stuff you turn inwards and go for the spiritual because the spiritual side will give you the balance and the material because I think the material being too far over the material side is because you lack any spiritual awareness and wow it's very hot <laughs> shit <laughs> I think I must be very high up at the minute I don't typically burn but I can feel a little bit of a burn coming um, right where was I yeah I think the, mis the material the greed and stuff is a lack of any spiritual awareness so I think you need to deal with that first and then it's easier to go from there wow little like yeah it's easier to go from there back into the material Because I mean some people may be whole in themselves And when I'm saying whole I mean healthy Because that's what health means To be whole That's why if something's wholesome It's deemed to be healthy Because health is all to do with being whole W-H-O-L-E or H-O-L-E it sounds the same there's no no distinction between the dropping the W or not so if something is whole is deemed healthy now if you imagine a circle and say you're wholeheartedly a materialist let's say 90% of the circle is going to be coloured in going to be coloured in red and that's going to represent material material wealth or material gain whatever 
and the rest of it is uncovered and that's going to represent spirituality or unmaterialistic desires or wants So, some people could probably do let's say 100% 100% on the spiritual side right and they're like I'm whole I'm complete but is that something that can be sustained how do you deal with how do you deal with the desire for the material which is still going to be there right because you're living in a material world and I think it was Madonna that said Madonna that said she's a material girl in a material world right so If someone can live 100% without any material um, without any material desires I guess then uh, they would need to have complete control over managing their desires So I don't think it's something that completely goes away. Even if you're in a, in a heightened state of... Heightened state of consciousness where... You don't desire... You... You kind of just are. But that's all... That's all within. What about the without? What about the outside? Because your physical body is in the material. It's your body is made up of material. So is it a case of completely shutting off the outside? In which case you only exist within but then what is the point in your existence physically there's got to be a point of existence a point of physical existence and I think that is the the conscious understanding of the knowledge of the lesser uh, lesser mysteries and the, which then lead you to the greater mysteries like I was speaking about earlier um, with regards to tarot and 
how the cards represent the lesser mysteries and the greater mysteries. The greater mysteries are things like the sun, death, the moon, the world, self-restraint or temperance, strength. Now isn't it funny that self-restraint and strength are considered mysteries in the same context as the moon, the sun, the world. Yet self-restraint and strength is something that comes from within, right? But the moon and the sun, you can see them. They're not inside you, they're outside of you. But they're considered in the same context as uh, self-restraint and strength. So is that perhaps hinting that you need to be self-restrained and you need to have the str have strength in order to understand it. And once you understand the need for strength and self-restraint, then you can understand the rest of the greater mysteries. Like the star or the moon or the sun. Or the material world. Now, etymologically, the world in the 13th century pertain to the, the physical world. So, I think the world card is number 21 in tarot. So it's the end, it's the last card, Major Arcana. So in order to understand that, you have to understand strength and self-restraint to understand the physical world. If you took the... If you took the meaning of it being uh, physicality. So that, that kind of, so what I was saying about having a conscious understanding of spirituality before trying to step back into or understand the physical world. Um, kind of rings true that you that you need to understand the spiritual aspects. I guess uh, self-restraint and strength could be seen as spiritual aspects because they're not, whilst they can be expressed in a physical sense, people can see the way that you act in regards to certain situations and say like, wow, you've got such strength or such restraint. In order to get to the end, to the understanding of 
the world you need to have that conscious hold over self-restraint and strength whereas people are trying to do it the other way they're trying to take the world understand it not even understand it just to take it just to take it for as it is and uh, not go through the steps not go through not collect the other pieces so they just have a piece one piece of the puzzle with no connection to anything else which is why at the end of the day when they've got all the material wealth and all the material goods they're like why do I still feel incomplete because when they look down at the table they just have one piece of the puzzle they missed all the other pieces that they should have been that they should have been seeking before collecting the last piece I think that's uh, it's quite a profound thing I learned in the last day about the whole jigsaw thing having a conversation with my brother about the pro- about old projects I've been working on for the last 13 years-ish and how they uh, they were all incomplete but in the sense that I was describing that they were incomplete was they weren't a product or a service that I could give to somebody to use but what I realised in the last week is that they're all pieces of a puzzle each project I noticed there's a pattern amongst the projects they're either um, an expression of an old of an existing project that I've created it's just a more uh, it's a better version of it it's just another version something is, that's been improved something that's been improved on the old version and um, when I looked at it that way it made a bit more made a bit more sense that what I've been doing is it's not like a conscious thing it's not like I'm going to create all these projects and then in 13 years I'm going to find utility for them it's not not like that at all it's just something that's happened and I've been frustrated over the years because I've always got to a point with a project and then kind of close it I close the close the book on it but then I may have picked it up again so many years later and then rewrote a new version of it or it extended some, something that's something that's added to it and now what I've realised is I've done all the hard work what what I needed to build I'm now capable of building it because I've built all the pieces all I need to do now is piece it together which is what I've been doing for the last five or six days I chose a project that people were interested in about four years ago I published a version of it publicly and people were interested so so I chose that one and I've been working on it for about five or six days and it is it's relatively easy because it's just pieces 
that I've already built and I'm just plugging them into into this new product or into this existing project that was created before the other pieces were ready so I wouldn't have been able to complete it all them years ago because the other pieces weren't created yet but now they are and then when I was looking at the I was looking at tarot last night created a separate um, separate discussion on that so I won't, I won't go into too much detail um, but yeah you've got the lesser mysteries the lesser arcana and, or minor arcana and you've got the major arcana which are the greater mysteries and they're the things I was just talking about like the sun, the moon, death, the star temperance, strength, self-restraint and I think that's the same thing I, I was led on to tarot randomly I've been watching people use tarot cards and pull cards and derive meanings from it and I was like never really gave it much thought where it came from until last night so I decided to look where did it actually come from and it was just a card game apparently created in the 15th century and it didn't really fall into occult usage so by occult groups until the 17th or 18th century So, I mean, that is probably similar to playing cards, uh, you know, the 52 deck, uh, 52 cards um, with the royal suite, the uh, royal suits and things like that. It's, it's along the same, I think it's the same kind of story because people use playing cards to signify certain things and they're carried over into tarot in the suits, uh, clubs, wands that sort of thing so I think I think the whole thing with the lesser mysteries and the greater mysteries is just pieces of a bigger puzzle you have to, you can't understand the world unless you understand everything before it And the people that are grasping at material wealth and material goods are the ones that are trying to have the they've got the world piece of the puzzle. But maybe they don't understand it. They think they understand it. But because they don't have or they never they never sought the other pieces of the puzzle so in essence when they when they do get that world piece of the puzzle and they've got all the material wealth and they say hey why am I not happy maybe that's why maybe it's because they maybe it's because they missed all the other pieces of the puzzle It was something I spoke about as well this morning. Um, 
after I was looking at tarot, I went and looked at, I'd literally just typed in greater mysteries in a search engine. And it took me to a PDF by a guy who called himself Samael on A-U-N, Weir, W-E-E-O-R. And he wrote a book called The Greater Mysteries in 1970s, I think. I think he died in 1977. I think he was about 60 years old or something. Uh, He wrote a book on The Greater Mysteries. And everything up to... I've read up to chapter four. And everything up to that... Up to chapter four are things that I've been talking about over the last two weeks. And it's typically things that... Things that I've understood consciously after talking about it. So I've not gone and read and memorized things and said, oh, I understand the tree of life now. It's looking at the... It's looking at the fragments and consciously bringing it together to form an understanding. Because all we, all I've done in education is memorize things from books, memorize formulas, memorize uh, chemistry equations, memorize poems, memorize answers to questions. It's like there's been no no test of conscious understanding. It's all been a test of your memory. So, that's not really, that's not really learning. Most people think if they read a book that they're learning something. But all they're really doing is memorizing somebody else's experience or somebody else's observation. But they could repeat it verbatim as fact, not understanding that they don't have a conscious understanding of what they were talking about unless they can express it in a way where they can demonstrate utility or... um, Relating to their own observation. If it's just uh, if it's just quoting somebody, it's generally not not an understanding. It's just somebody may have mentioned something to you, and then you're like, ah, yeah, I remember what this guy said because he mentioned something like that, and then you just repeat the quote. But there's no, there's nothing in that, it's pointless. So anyway, so I've gone back to, <laughs> gone back onto jigsaw puzzles again. That's what I was talking about earlier. But that is, that's what I think the whole deal is. You have to learn the, we have to consciously understand the 
smaller pieces to understand the whole and in order in, in order to be whole in yourself you have to consciously understand the spiritual and the material and I think that's something that you would learn as a byproduct of the the lesser and the greater mysteries because if you can consciously understand those those topics it's pretty much it's pretty much everything so yeah I think I was talking about status wasn't I but that is just being hung up on the material it is just being uh, unbalanced whilst you can maybe derive something from from a brand because whoever creates the brand instills uh, this the sense the intent in it like if you look at the the mission or values you can tend to get a, a feeling if it's uh, if it's a good brand or not but it should be more about like virtues like uh, not just about having a lot of stuff but more about having things that mean that means something that have almost like a sentimental value a feeling of a value that can be felt not a not just a number or uh, not just uh, like a bragging value yep I think I've rambled on long enough and I'll leave it there